0: The fundamental simplicity of practice is also what reveals to us the fundamental difficulty for us as individuals of practice. The simplicity is that it is exactly our life as is this moment it's our life not clinging to any particular perspective state state of mind objects it's our mind, body, life in all its dimensions at this moment. So in this text we've been speaking of, we use the word light or luminosity. But of course, though that word is myriad-dimensional, we tend to interpret it in certain narrow ways. And we believe that it's based on that interpretation we should understand what he's trying to say or what the Buddha is trying to say when, or what other ancestors are saying when they say everyone has light, everyone is light. And there's nothing wrong with those interpretations except that they blind us except that they blind us to our life which is much bigger than any and all those interpretations and our life which is always available to us breathing in Breathing out, seeing, hearing, touching, and all the other ways we can describe this functioning of being alive. This body-mind or body-mind universe which is our life. So we have to be cautioned about the tendency to go in our own particular habits of mind or body or objects, ways that we preference certain things and interpret circumstances. It's not that those preferences are the problem, but it's our being pulled by them. Our not recognizing our own particular preferences or tendencies or clinging for what they are. Even if we have brilliant intellectual understanding or even... Brilliant emotional understanding. Or doesn't matter brilliant, not brilliant, that's just a judgment. But those are tendencies and habits that we carry around and miss what the simplicity of our life, That's revealed in just being present, in just sitting, walking. Revealed because it's not limited by the ideas we want to put on that. The ideas of, you could say, subjective or objective or conscious or Unconscious knowledge or discriminations or all the other ways we want to break that up. Break this up, this, that in this text he calls illumination or luminosity of body-mind. If I use a word he uses in the text, he speaks of the ocean of enlightenment, which, in a way, this ocean of enlightenment, ocean of light, to mix metaphors, is exactly what our life is. And what our sitting is, is entering this ocean of life that the present moment is for us. That the present moment is that's not limited by our ideas of what me sitting here this moment is. And yet, sitting, and all the other ways that we manifest this life that we are, or if I use other words, this Buddha that we are, is always available as this simplicity of the moment. And you all say it over and over, being just this moment, being just this moment, easy to say, easy to do, and easy to miss if we buy into or cling to one or another habit which is why it's so valuable and important to so to speak over and over when necessary not for some catalog or theory or deeper understanding but when necessary to notice where and how we're clinging to one or other device not so that we have more knowledge about what we're doing though that happens but so that at least for this moment we can open that clinging or we can be without or beyond that clinging if I use that word or Instead of clinging, you could say attachment or you we could say discrimination. or we could say any other habit that keeps us from being if I say being shining light, fine. being this that we are fine or, You could use other words like being the Buddha that you are. Sitting as Buddha, walking as Buddha, acting as Buddha, eating as Buddha. Since we all are this, see, since we all are this, our practice, if I explain it in this way, is to uncover what we always are, which is never covered up except when it seems to be that way for us. So don't go looking elsewhere for something else that you're going to get. Don't go believing the story of what you're lacking because that's another Caught and self centered. That's exactly what this text is reminding us. So we could even cling to some sort of conceptual or intellectual understanding of saying I'm missing this and that's the problem and that's what I got to do and that's. And then when I take care of those and in that very catalog or recitation of what we believe is exactly where we create hindrances or if you want to use fancy words you can use fancy words about it delusions or illusions or other things nothing wrong with thoughts coming and going if we try to stop them we only create trouble if we identify with them we only create trouble of course i need to have thoughts so to speak if i use it in those terms as myself and thoughts separate in order to speak you Your thinking conceptual process is what enables you to hear me. Yet, if we don't identify with that as who we are, then it doesn't limit who we are. If we don't go look to that process in order to sense who we are, and it doesn't hinder us. One of the paragraphs here has a sentence. Each of our thoughts, moments, Each of our moment lives, if I say that, displays itself as the luminosity of perfect knowing if you don't hold on to them and allow them to just go on their own way. Each moment of our life reveals itself, our life as is reveals itself as the perfect luminosity or perfect light. We don't have to use that. Oh, here's another translation of that. It is empty luminosity spontaneously shining without exerting mental energy. Wow, that's a mouthful, isn't it? Maybe we need to be shocked by a mouthful of words in order to come to what's simply always so. This that we are. If we say it, this light that we are. This ordinary life that is the way. It's always that. This, which is why we can say, being just this moment. Don't believe that the just and just this moment is to differentiate this moment from a so-called past or so-called future. There is just this moment. Once we get into our ideas about past and future, we... Are building further difficulties for ourselves if we believe them. It's this light isn't obstructed, isn't kept away by our activity, even our mental, emotional. That's just further aspects of this light that we are. Which is why our practice is very simple. Just breathing in. Just breathing out. Just sitting. And whatever form your particular sitting practice is. Your particular sitting practice of being able to respond... As this moment to whatever is called for if I call your name you can answer not because you figured something out but just the nature of being who you are that's this light that's this light that there isn't more with someone else and less with someone else All those you encounter, yourself and all of them, are nothing but this functioning of it. It's not obstructed unless we obstruct it for ourselves. It's not obstructed in others, if I use that kind of term, unless we obstruct it despite the fact that they might be caught up in all sorts of things. Despite that, it's very clear. It doesn't depend on our making gradations of who does and who doesn't, and who has more, who has less. He says that itself. It's not in any particular place to exclude any other place. It doesn't appear somewhere because we do something special or doesn't cease somewhere because something is changed. Though it could seem that way to us, that's our doing. So, your practice in Sashim, after Sashim, is always right in front of you in the midst of your life. It's in your formal sitting. It's in the activities throughout your day. It's being straightforward. If I use the word straightforward mind, that's fine. If I use the word ordinary mind, That's fine. Sometimes we need to say things like that. So we say ordinary mind. That's the practice. That's the place of practice of all of us. Our ordinary mind. So that's the whole of our practice of being light. Not looking for light, not trying to figure out light, but being the light that we are. Sometimes reminding ourselves that we are the light. But don't remind yourself to think that you're the light, but not that guy or not that woman. She's not the light, after all, look what she does. No, it doesn't work that way. So, and we discover it to the extent that we taste it and sense it in just being our sitting and being our practice. Okay, I talked plenty, but I'm sure some of you have something to say. So I'll stop now and see whether there's something you might say that I can say in two. And when I can say something to it, maybe it will be helpful. Because yesterday and the day before, you've heard what Koen Ejozenji said, to the extent that I quoted it. But you've heard plenty before. Nevertheless, there might be something useful, more to say. So, let's see what we can do. If you need to move, please do be comfortable. So it's we don't need extra pain, though pain appears and disappears and it's not something else. As you heard the first day, the Buddha said that towards the end of his life pain was a constant companion. But it didn't hinder. Though there was Times when it could cease. When he was in deep meditation, if I use that kind of word. At least that's his testimony that we have. Yes. Um, This
1: light... I mean, I can't see through
0: people. <laughs> Come now, you don't mean that. I
1: can't see
0: through people. That has nothing to do with anything. It's light speaking right this moment. Don't get limited by narrow ideas of light. See through people. <laughs> you could see through this window. That's enough.
1: Uh, we can't see it. I mean we can't see this light. But we you know we because it shines and and
0: uh how about you see with your ears? How do you see with your ears? I don't know. Oh. Good. Then just take that. How to see with your ears. That could be a nice call on for you.
2: Yeah.
1: I just want to say that when I was coming here today, I was coming down University University in Prospect. Well, the Lutherans had their sermon today. It was about light, too.
0: Oh, they must have known what I was going to do.
1: <laughs> I, I did because I thought, oh, we're connected here. Yeah. The Lutheran sermon just down the street there it was about light. And then before that, well, I guess two of my favorite places uh-huh. in town. One's Champaign County Nursing Home. And the other is Schnucks Grocery Store. <laughs> and I, I know quite a few of the workers there. And I was in the self-checkout, kind of hurrying mm-hmm. a bit to get here on time. And the woman, I really like her. She comes and she opens that bag. You know those uh-huh. plastic bags? Yeah. They're a devil to Yes. Well, just as I was checking, you know, about ready to fight with it, here she was. That's right.
0: Good. So you got to check yourself out there. Yeah. And if we, you know, if it was that simple to just self-check out, we'd have our practice would yeah. be so simple. You would just check ourselves out there and then we're <laughs> done with the self
1: the difficulties arise in checking out all
0: sorts of Yeah. Yes, we create difficulties yes. in checking the self out. Yeah. But there's really no problem. I mean, see, it's... We... Every functioning of self is perfectly light. It's nothing but life. It, light. And yet, when we Bundle that together into something fixed, permanent, and separate and try to carry it along. Then we're trying to sneak through this checkout line (laughs) and carry the self along and we create problems.
1: (laughs) You can push push buttons in the checkout line, you know, vegetables, this, that.
0: Yeah. Museki Sue, used to have a teacher, he's no longer alive, who wrote a book, and I might misquote the title, but it's something like Getting Rid of What You Never Had.
2: Getting Rid of What You... you That's good
0: enough. The title might be a little different. I used to have the book there, but I I got rid of the book too, but...
2: (laughs) There was nothing
0: wrong with it. I just somehow got rid of it.
2: Getting rid of what you
0: haven't got. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Anyway, my mind disappeared. I don't know where. Someone borrowed it. I lent it. I gave it away. I don't know. Doesn't make a difference. But getting rid of what you haven't got. Haven't got. But I'll say never had. <laughs> I like that better. Never had. And yet we insist we have this. And we insist that the whole universe of our life fit through this lens, this story. And we be happy or sad, satisfied or dissatisfied based on that. That's exactly what the Buddha is teaching, that unsatisfactoriness or suffering is a result of our attachment to that self-centeredness. Because we want to force our life through that, if you want to say that, screen, It's like trying to squeeze everything through a sieve of a certain sort. And then everything gets chopped up by that and therefore we suffer. That's exactly what. So at least for a little bit as we sit, it's to put that screen down. It's very easy to do because all... It takes us being exactly what and who we are. The very functioning that we always are. Not something new. There's all sorts of devices to help us do that.
2: realization I think I may have told you yes that that if everything is like da we sit here our past hour and do this practice so we can see it because otherwise we don't see it
0: yes so, so that we can see and be what we always are yes. and what's always in front of us
2: But if you went up to somebody on
0: the street and told them that, they'd go, what? Depends who who they are, and it depends how you told it. See, I, I might not tell them that way. I might say, good morning. And if they say, good morning back, then we've shared light. Yeah, yeah,
2: of
0: course. And that's all that's needed at the moment, unless they say something else. See we can share light if i say it in such a way without making anything special about it that's why we say our practice is ordinary mind it's the fact that we share light if i use i even that word is problematic but that's okay we share light all the time that's our capacity and that's the capacity of Everyone we meet, except when they want to hold on to something. So you might say good morning to someone, and they go, and they don't even answer you. And and so then they're holding on to something, and they're too busy or too caught up to be the light of their life at this moment, much less to share it. When you share it, you don't get more. When you don't share it, you don't have less. And yet, if we got caught up, we suffer. So that's a added—I'd say bonus, but it's not a bonus. (laughs) It's a the addition of a problem that makes it unsatisfying. What's always satisfying. Isn't it um, Hakuin in the Song of Zazen? Uh, Zazenwasen. I might be pronouncing it wrong. Where he says it were like a uh, uh, thirsty person in the middle of an ocean crying out in thirst. Or like a person in the middle of the ocean crying out in thirst. Or in middle of the water. Yeah. So so... Because ocean will go, well, it's salt water, it can't quench our thirst. Yeah. There's a nice story. I think this is from uh, I think it should be Yamaroshi. But I might be wrong with the source. But let's let's say Shibiyama Roshi, who wrote a book, a number of books, Flower Does Not Speak and some others, where he recalls an incident where um, a Japanese ocean liner was coming to South America and they came into the... Um, a certain area into the, towards uh, the port in, in the delta of um, the Amazon. And they, but it still, I mean, it, it was so enormous that they just saw water on each side. So they believed themselves still in the ocean. So they saw another ship nearby and they had run out of water. So they signaled, where can we get water? Using flags or however ships used to signal. Um, And the other ship said, lower a bucket. (laughs) Because the Amazon at that point is so wide that... It's even though it's fresh water, it could seem like it's being still being in the ocean. So, in a sense, our job to get fresh water is to lower our bucket right into our life, exactly where we are. Yes, kind. I, I want to say something to try to tease out your metaphor because I like the
2: metaphor um, of saying good morning to someone? Yes. My wife tells me after she finished her master's in advertising she's lived nine months in New York uh-huh. and uh, being a midwesterner uh-huh. uh, she would look people in the eye and smile and say hello <laughs> and this was like trouble. Yeah. They're like oh you're not from around here we're going to rob you or whatever. So, I want you to say a little more, because you're from New
0: York, so... Don't believe that New Yorkers don't have light. But, but, there is a truth that there's a certain attitude or, or say it, a self-centeredness of a guardedness, of a protectiveness. So, if we hold on to that... You're right, we see all around us potential danger. And we're ready to interpret it in those terms. So, if you walk around with your fists up and your arms up, at the end of the day you have aches and pains in your fists and arms because of your tensing that way. So that's what we get. But New Yorkers are just as capable of being light as everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. I, don't know, I think this fits. <clears throat> I um, haven't done Oreoke in probably 15 years. <laughs> so I brought my Oreoke bowls. And I opened them up the first time. And the spatula is hard as a rock. There's no pliability. Yes. It made me think about, you know, without sitting and practicing. There's no pliability. There's no... I can can hardly work with it. Yes,
0: I know. I I have have a spatula that's uh, probably 35 years old. And I I no longer use the, I changed the rubber tip because, or not rubber, whatever, that uh, because it had gotten that hard and completely. But you're right, it's the rigidity that we have. And most of us are 35 years, and it doesn't matter 35 even, three, five, ten years, we start getting rigid in certain ways. It's not the number of years, but the holding on to the particular form of how we want to see certain things. And it's an unwillingness to be open. Or, let's say it the other way. It's a sureness that my point of view and perspectives and likes and dislikes are the valid truth of the universe and certainly the valid truth of, for me. So what I know is the way it should be. And that's why, in a way, our practice is always right here and we keep bumping up against what we know. What we hold on to, what we believe. What being this moment is, or what being this moment is not. What meeting this person is, and what this person is not. How they should be, and how they should not be. Etc. Yeah? Good. So, your old spatula gave you a good lesson.
1: Like we can either practice uh, being rigid, uh, adhering to our beliefs and uh, the constraints around how we configure things, or we can practice noticing we're doing that, letting yes. them go, and being present for what's actually occurring
0: in the moment. Yes, and we just have to let go in the moment. So to speak, if even using the word "let go," but let go in this moment, and everyone has that capacity in this moment. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean there aren't other uh, cause-effect, knowing if you want to say, holding habits, caughtness that will arise. It will, it might, it might not. But all we have to do is this moment, this moment this moment and all anyone needs to do is this moment which means that not no one is excluded no one has to do anything special that's beyond them
1: it's as if it one the practice of rigidity is so deeply ingrained in us that we don't know it's a practice And the other practice of being present is so new, even if you've been doing it for 20 years, um, that you really have to practice that.
0: Yeah. Instead of calling it the practice of rigidity, I would call it the habit of self-centeredness or clinging. I mean, there's different facets to it, and there's multivariate facets just as we are multivariate, but the habit of it which is as a result of all sorts of cause and effect some of them are biological some of them are psychological some of them are social some of them are, and you can go on all the different ways we explain them, but they come together as who we are and they reveal themselves in the process of cause and effect that is life but we don't have to go root them all out or figure them all out we just take care of what appears now and if we have the willingness to do this then we keep having opportunities to see what's needed right now and that's all we need to take care of. Yes, low one one two. Okay.
1: I I was just thinking that um, so that the the light that is you know, we're talking about the light so the light that is never obstructed anywhere ever. Yes. Um. So I just thought that that could be a good way into when 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 I encounter. A circumstance where I, I, I believe that either in myself or actually also in another person, the light—either uh-huh. is no light—but that that could be like the moment to see the light. Is, just remember, the light is never obstructed. so there could come in a, a, a bit of compassion that me to think, okay, well, there is the possibility, yes, this person is having, struggling, the light is, seems to not be revealed because of all the circumstances in which the there is hardening, and I'm also talking, I don't like to bring this up, but I'm also talking in, in a bigger context of political, so for yes. me that's an important practice right yes. now. So bringing the possibility of... Um, seeing that, yes, the light is never obstructed anywhere. And yeah. I feel that's something
0: I need to remember. Yeah. Because... You, maybe you remember yesterday I mentioned the poem by Thich Nhat Hanh, Call Me By My True Names, when I'm talking with Isa. And he specifically talks about true name, or I'll use the word light, in reference to a rapist pirate, a weapons dealer, politburo um, a figure, and so on and so forth. Though for them it might seem obstructed, it might be obstructed, it's still not obstructed in reality,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: even in the functioning of them in their cause and effect harming suffering.
1: And that's my
0: practice to remember. Yeah, it's it's our practice because that's particularly difficult when we're subject to all sorts of, call it hate, violence, or even just mild disregard and um, contemptuous behavior or whatever from them. I mean, we all have different things. They might even, as decagredible, They might pass us by when we say hello and not say hello. And we go, oh, what's the matter with them? Instead of just seeing compassionately that they can't say hello for whatever reason. And we don't have to figure out the reason. And be open to them not being able to say hello or not saying hello or choosing not to say hello. That's fine. If we say hello with a expectation and demand that everyone else respond to us in that way, we're in trouble. Yeah. It's difficult. That's why Tiknatan wrote that book uh that poem to include those that are difficult to see, that they're somehow included. in that the joys and the sorrows are included. In who in calling the true name. Okay. Uh,
1: so so became an aunt uh from Susanism studio. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, I can't help but think of how relevant my my nephew masters in
0: this uh-huh. conversation. Uh, speak up a little so that they can hear.
1: Start over. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh so I have a little nephew Max, who was born about seven months ago, and I think he's pretty relevant to our conversation about light. Because, yeah. well, first off, I don't think he's concerned about his past or his future. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not very rigid, right? Uh-huh.
0: Except when he's not getting to eat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> then he'll
0: scream and yell.
1: Well, he's loud, but he's still rather floppy. <laughs> Yeah. With such light, and I mean, he, he learned how to giggle. I was with him in December, yeah. and his giggle is so contagious. Yeah. And I think he reminds anyone around him to be light. Yeah. In a pure sense. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I guess I've been
0: thinking about the light that each of us started with. Yes, most infants can easy, easily share light with us, and. We can, most of the time, except if we're a parent being kept up at 2 a.m. with a child that refuses to stop crying despite the fact that we fed them and changed them, can easily share that. And we allow ourselves to do that. We open ourselves in a way... Not everyone, but most of us are able to allow ourselves to be open in that way when we can't or have a harder time being open with other beings in that way. Yes. And we could see it when you talk about your nephew. We could see it right there. And so, yes, that's exactly... Our opportunity and life keeps offering that to us with infants. Unfortunately, there are some who aren't able to do that for various cause and effect reasons of their condition, with plants even, Mm -hmm. with other animals sometimes, and various other situations. And various beings respond to each other in that way as well. Um, We even know it goes way beyond what we are notice or are capable of noticing, except that we start discovering new things. For For instance, just recently I sent Shoujo a copy of this article. I was reading that there are plants... That can listen with their petals to the humming or buzzing of bees and respond to it so that the bees get drawn to them and they adjust themselves to that. Now, I don't know how petals hear, but somehow they do. And you, if you're interested, I could send you that article, or Shojo could send you that article. And this is, you know, what we're discovering is what's always been. They haven't started to do it because we decided and discovered it. But this is the way the universe responds in, in the dance that it dances with together, all of us. But what we can do is start with our practice. And the more we, if I say, open ourselves to Buddhas that we are, or the light that we are, the life that we are, the more we can discover that the life and light of the whole universe, of all that we encounter, opens itself to us. Um,
2: I was just thinking, I read a book not too long ago, The Dalai Lama and... um, Bishop Tutu. Uh huh. Um, anybody else read that or know about it? I know the book, yes. but I n- haven't read it. Yeah, it's really nice. I mean, they they, they, um, they went over for their aid. so
0: so. What did you notice in the book?
2: You... Well, I just love their. You know, they were just kissing each other, mm-hmm. and they just. You know, they just they just enjoyed it, and then Jeff, our own Jeff Smith, told me one time. Mm-hmm. He had seen um, a video of the Dalai Lama brushing his teeth. <laughs> and, uh, and the Dalai Lama was having a great time laughing. Uh, <laughs> good. I sometimes think about that, but I, I've ne- that's never happened. That <laughs> well, if you just give
0: yourself away to your teeth and gums and
2: hands and
0: the brush... Okay. Try Did it. Do you ever laugh
2: when you brush your teeth?
0: <laughs> I enjoy it. It's a nice, um, pro, uh, what should I say? Experience. Massage experiencing. Yeah. So. Do you
2: remember that, Jeff?
0: Where are you? He's right there. He doesn't seem to have remembered it. I don't
1: remember the teeth brushing, but he did allow a photographer to follow him around like every second of the day and night, and this photographer took a bunch of photos of him as he was getting up in the morning, which was, you know, he's just a guy who's getting up in the morning. He's maybe not that crazy about it at the time. Um, so, yeah. And that another thing about him is that no matter where he is in the world, no matter what the time zone, he gets up at the same time in the morning to do his
0: practice. Scenes. <clears throat> okay. Any last question? Well, we will talk at the closing of sashine. So, if you have some thing that comes up that you wish to clarify further, I'll see some of you this afternoon and the universe agreeing. I'll see all of you who are here tomorrow morning and early morning and late morning. So, thank you.